Howdy everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Paul, Julian and Friends where I get a chance to sit down with Jim Elliott of Cedar Creek Brewery in Seven Points, Texas. And you're going to love this story. Uh, The best stories are about overcoming challenges and pressing on in the face of adversity and realizing that you don't have all the answers, but continuing to push forward and making something meaningful happen. And Jim Elliott is a great example of that. He's got something really special set up in seven points we'll hear how he came into the brewing business via walgreens and being a school teacher so those three things don't generally have a common denominator but in jim's case they do so enjoy this story and please leave a like or a comment or a review at your favorite podcasting platform and thanks again for listening Jim Elliott of Cedar Creek Brewery. Is that the whole name? Cedar Creek Cedar Brewery? Cedar Creek Brewery, that's right. In Seven Points, right. Texas. Big Metropolis. I'm, I am was mistakenly calling it Gun Barrel City, but it's not. It's in Seven Points. No, we're, we're over the bridge to <laughs> the other the side of the lake. Yeah. Um, Cedar Creek Brewery is, we've been coming here pretty early on. Uh, we live in Athens, so it's 30, 35 minute drive, mm-hmm. which is not bad not bad it's, it's an easy drive but start us off by telling us how you ended up in the cedar creek area kind of your backstory where you're born what you did where you grew up and that sort of thing and where get us up born. to how you got to seven points or okay. cedar creek or okay all right so where i was born that's a long time ago yeah um i grew up in indiana um you know, snow and, and cold and northwest Indiana. So we were only 30 miles from Chicago, but, but across in the Indiana side. My dad uh, worked in a steel mill until he retired. Started when he was 18 and, and retired. And so Same it, mill the whole same, time? Same mill. Really? His dad, all his brothers, mm-hmm. most of his brothers did the same thing. And uh, I wasn't destined to do that. I didn't want to do that. I, you know, I... I had a lot of friends who um, their parents bought them a snowblower, you know, in the, in the wintertime, and, and I was a snowblower for my family. So dad would say, get out there and shovel snow, and and as soon as I did, the snowplow would come by and, and bury our driveway back again. So uh, fond memories of Indiana, I, I loved it. Uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing other than after college. My first job out of college was in Houston and I haven't left Texas since. So glad to be in Texas, been here a long, long, long time. Okay. I went to college at Indiana State. Uh, I had a lot of friends who went to Indiana, you know, IU, went to Purdue. Um, I went to Indiana State and um, they had a really good business school and I got a degree in marketing. Um, I was there when Larry Bird was there. Really? And I was there, uh, he was two years ahead of me. So he was a junior when I was a freshman. Um, so I got to see the best two years of oh, basketball man, of my so. life. I mean, it was it was really amazing to to watch him. Uh, I was in a fraternity. He would come to our fraternity parties and and uh, take all the women. <laughs> and and uh, but he was he was a good guy. He was a fun guy. Um, he was just so talented, and he got better and better and better. Yeah. And and um, I bet that was interesting to follow him as he 
his career progress and all the things yeah. he went on to do. Oh, oh, yeah, just amazing. And my brother uh, graduated he, from Indiana State also. He was four years younger than me. And when he graduated uh, from, from Indiana State, um, we started going to Boston Celtics games when they came to Texas. And so every time they would come to Texas, they'd play Dallas, San Antonio, and Houston. And one year we went to uh, all three places to, to watch them. And I remember San Antonio especially because we got to, we found the hotel that they were in. And just, you know, stupid, crazy sports nerds that we were, we, we watched them eat breakfast and we, you know, we followed them. I know, we, we followed them to the, to the elevator. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. Do you so. recognize you? Uh, no, no, and and, and you, you kind of learn early on that, you know, they, they want their privacy sure. too. You yeah. know, they're they're just like us, and and uh, so. I mean, know. even if it was fun at first, after, yeah, after a period of time, it's just like, sure. I was just sure. going to work. Yeah, I'm just, right. I'm just going to work. Yeah, that's, it's their job. Yeah, right. So, um, but anyway, it it was fun to yeah, to, to follow him, and uh, he's. And then he uh, retired in Florida, and that's where my parents retired. And so, um, never found him in Florida. Right. I know, I know yet. about where he where right. he was, but uh, I didn't I didn't <laughs> stalk him down, at all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he might have a little more time on his hands these days. Yeah, he plays a lot of golf. And so, oh, that's so. Yeah. Oh, that's so. So you graduated, and then you were you were just looking for jobs. Yeah. So this was back in um, in 80, 81, 80, 81, and the the recession had hit or was starting to hit mm -hmm. and everywhere that I wanted to work all of a sudden turned the switch and they weren't hiring and and so I said you know I got to get out I, I, I need an advantage I can't wait for my graduating class to in May of 82 mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I went to summer school and uh, see summer of 81 and and got a semester ahead, so I graduated in December of '81, thinking okay. that was my advantage. Right. You know, I was going to get out before everybody else. And I applied everywhere in Chicago, in Indianapolis, uh, Evansville, everywhere in in that area. Because I want, I had, if I was going to live two hours from where I grew up, I thought that was really far. Yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah, back then, I mean, you know, so I. I had a lot of interviews and, you know, 300 people interviewing for a job and they were going to hire one and then some of them said, well, we changed our mind, we're, we don't have the budget this year, we're going to wait till next year and so, you know, you hear everything and then, so it was March of 82, I had already graduated um, and some of my fraternity brothers had graduated a year before me and they were living in Houston and so I just called them up and I said, hey, what's going on, I need a break. It, it's spring break time, you're in Houston, uh, I want to go to the beach, yeah. so can I come crash on your couch for a week? And they said, absolutely, come on down, I'd love to have you. And by the way, you should bring your resume and, and uh, a coat and tie because Houston is booming. Oh, I, I said, are you serious? I said, I'm up here in the snow and looking for a job and, and I could be down in Texas where it's warm and, and get a job. And, Yes, absolutely. So um, I got in, a, got in my car and I, I drove to Houston and I, I slept on their couch for I think three nights. I laid by the pool every day and they're out working and I'm laying by the pool. <laughs> and I think, man, this is great. I said, but I, I, need, I need a job. I just spent all this money in college. I need a job. Yeah. And so uh, 
I got the Houston Chronicle out, and I'm sitting by the pool with a with a, a sharpie. Now, for I, those that don't know, what would back in the Stone Age, what would the Houston Chronicle be? What was it? Houston Chronicle is the the biggest newspaper in Houston. A newspaper and, and, that yeah, you actually he, yes. was delivered oh, to yeah. you every oh, yeah. morning. Yeah, and you opened it up right. and you read it. And, right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, newspaper. It's yeah the, the paper thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right because a lot of people wouldn't know that, right? Um, and so I'm I'm sitting by the pool with a sharpie and I'm I'm just highlight uh, you know circling everything that that sounds pretty interesting. And then uh, the next day I I started and I started setting up interviews and. And I had four job offers in the, in the first day and a half. And you thought you were... Yeah, I said, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't want to take the first one because I had all these other interviews mm -hmm. set up. I said, I need to, you know, I need to go to them all. And so they were, they were excited to, you know, find somebody and, and mm -hmm. hire somebody. And, and uh, that was in the oil field. Everyone was in the oil field mm -hmm. doing something. I had no experience, but um, my degree is in business and marketing. and teach me and I could sell it right mm -hmm. so um, that that was kind of kind of what everybody was thinking um, did that for about a year and and then all of a sudden the recession hit the oil field yeah. and everybody got laid off they, everything got totally shut down and so that's uh, you know you happens every <laughs> few years yeah, every, ever so many years right? since then, right? yeah. yeah so then you kind of figure out what, what's what's next right boom and bust industry yeah yep. for sure so what was next so it was easy to find a job in uh, consumer products. So everybody needs toothpaste, everybody needs deodorant, shampoo, all that stuff. Well, you don't need shampoo. I, I, <laughs> I, I used to. I used to. I used to have a lot of hair. Right. Uh, but so that was my thought process back then. And so I, I you know, again, got the Houston Chronicle out. Um, had some friends in the industry. They, they kind of guided me through who, who might be hiring and who to talk to. And so. Um, that's I, I found a job pretty simple uh, you know working in that industry and worked in that industry for with two different companies about seven seven or eight years and uh, you know company car you know sales territory mm -hmm. expense account it, it was yeah. yeah I you know you looking back I, I should have stayed with some of those jobs right <laughs> especially one of them because there was a family-owned company, and, and everybody knows them. They have so many national uh, brands, and, mm -hmm. and uh, but their corporate office was in Wisconsin. <clears throat> and I said, yeah. yeah. Everybody, they always said everybody's going to end up back in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I said, nah. So um, I moved on. Yeah. So. But that's interesting. But you know, every everywhere you go, you you build your, you know what you know and how you learned mm -hmm. it and, and different, uh, different things that's important, you know, customer service, um, you know, you, you learn that with every job you have and how important every customer is and, and uh, you know, you being representing the company or representing a brand, how important that is and how people see you. It's just not what you say, it's how you act mm -hmm. and, and uh, some of the um, things that you because you know, there's so many people looking at you um, all the time yep. that you're not talking to them but at the other end of the room somebody's watching so let me back up just a little bit because I learned something from uh, an owner of a company that I, I, I preached today um, when I left consumer products companies I, I would go to different places and I would sell I'd sit down in front of a Walmart buyer 
or an Albertsons buyer or Tom Thumb buyer and, and sell toothpaste, deodorant, shampoo. And, and then all of a sudden, a lot of these companies were growing and um, I went across the desk and started being a buyer. And so I worked for Walgreens. Okay. I worked for Walgreens for a lot of years, great company. Uh, learned, learned a lot. And um, this was still in Houston and they were getting ready to open up uh, 20 plus stores in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And this was back in mid-90s, I guess. Dallas-Fort Worth was the biggest market that Walgreens hadn't entered yet. And so they were putting together a team to, to come in in a big way. And so they interviewed me and I was one of the opening um, managers to come in and open. Um, they wanted uh, 20 stores in, in the first two years. And so me and a team uh, did that. So um, that was exhausting. Um, we had to find the site. Start from scratch. Start from scratch. Where are we going to put a store? So I would, I would go out with commercial real estate developers and you know look at all these different sites. And we'd meet with the cities and get approvals to you know, this is what we want to do and look for tax tax breaks like every company does mm -hmm. and incentives and things like that. Um, but I was in one store in uh, Las Colinas in the DFW area, and. We had just opened the 20th store, and Mr. Walgreen, there was a Mr. Walgreen. Really? Yeah, he was fourth generation, okay. uh, Mr. Walgreen. And he wanted to come see all the stores in, in one day. And so, uh, of course, you know, I'm in, I'm in the Las Colinas store at that time. He comes in, and he, you know, he, he was like my best friend. I had never met him before, mm -hmm. but he came in, and he knew me. He knew my wife's name, he knew my kid's name, really? he, he knew my background, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and uh, we walked the store and of course it looked perfect, I thought it looked perfect, yeah. he didn't say any, anything <laughs> contrary, right. and we were walking back to the, to, the, to the door for him to leave and he said just, just treat everyone like they're in your own home. And he said if you do that then everything will go fine. And so that's what I tell people everywhere I've been. I said, you know, this is this is our house. Yeah. You know, that's our front door. That's our back door. These are our windows. You know, people look both ways. You know, in and out, and they're always looking at us. You know, let's let's put our best foot forward and treat people like like you would want to be treated mm -hmm. in your own home. Right. So well, I think it carries over. I mean, because like I said, we've been here a number of times and always been whoever has been up front and kind of the face of the place at that time was very friendly, very knowledgeable, and very good, helpful good. with anything. Good. I mean, that, that's what we strive for. And we've been pretty pretty lucky with, with um, our employees. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough of them, right. you know. <laughs> and what he does these days. No way he does, but um, you know, it seems like we're always hiring and everyone's always hiring. But, um, and we've had a lot of people that we've interviewed and not offered jobs to, and we'll see those people and other restaurants and bars around town, mm -hmm. um, but we try to keep high standards and sure. if, you know, this is the way it is and if, if you don't want to work here, that's fine. Right. You know, but, many places. Yeah, work. there's a lot of places hiring, but this is, this is what, what we want done here, mm -hmm. so. That's good. You know, I would imagine part of the benefit to doing this at this point, I mean, like you said, you learned, sounds like a lot from a lot of successful business people on mm -hmm. how things ought to be done right and then bringing that to you know a local 
business like this just seems like a natural natural fit and I think it makes sense. Everybody's I mean, got experiences, right? right? Life experiences, business experiences, um, not all good, right? right? So you, you, you learn both ways, you know? I tried this, it didn't work, right. you know? Move on to something else. Um, one thing that I learned at Walgreens also was um, people's perception on, on things. Um, this is a crazy story. It has nothing to do with beer. That, that doesn't matter. But, but, there is no like no agenda. We go wherever yeah, it takes. So it's just one of those one of those learning experiences. I'm teaching an assistant manager, a young kid right out of college, and and uh, so we, he's over a store. He's he's assistant manager of the store I was at at that time. Okay. And I always before I I leave for the day or for the night or whatever, um, I always give him a list of, of priorities. You know, mm -hmm. we need to get this stuff done. And so we got in 100 cases of toothbrushes that we didn't, order, that we didn't order. We didn't order those. You know, if, if you've worked in the corporate world, you know that the corporate office is going to send you stuff, no matter if you want them or not. Okay. And but you got to sell them. Yeah. And so uh, I said, you know, we need a display built of these toothbrushes. And, and the way Walgreens likes to, to work for their brands is they have a, a price point. It's 59 cents or two for a dollar. You know, you want one, it's 59 cents. But if you get two, the second one's 41 cents, you get two for a dollar. Right? So um, they got a lot of brands that way. Mm -hmm. And so he built this monster, beautiful display and priced it at 59 cents. And we sold like three toothbrushes in a week. And as you know, that's important real estate. It is. Yes. Important real estate. And if you don't turn product and make money, then, you know, you, you've got to move on to something else. Yeah. So I kept looking at it, looking at it, and it's not doing anything. And so the next time I saw him, we stood in there in front of the display, and I said, I said, what, what could we do different? You know, just challenge him. What can you do different? I already knew, you know, right? You never ask a question if you don't already know the answer, right? And, and so he said, um, we should have some toothpaste in here. I said, that's a great answer. You know, maybe they'll buy a toothbrush and some toothpaste. And so he did that. Sold a few, mm -hmm. sold a few, and and then uh, uh, I said, okay, let, let's look at this again. I said, how much is this? Fifty nine cents. I said, or he said, oh, two for a dollar. Um, so what if we price it two for a dollar? Oh, so take okay. off the fifty nine. Yeah, not the either the, or. Right, take off the fifty nine cent sign. Let's put two for a dollar. We sold them in a week. Really? <laughs> the Isn't same that crazy? same toothbrush. Yeah. You know, the same price, yeah. right? And uh, we sold them in a week. So it was crazy. There's a couple of things there. One is uh, paying attention to what's happening. So it's selling, it's not selling. Okay, right. what can we do? And right. then experimenting. Okay, what can we change? We'll try that. Yep. Not working, not getting what we want. What do right. we change? Right. We try that. And I guess that's, is that the same thing in beer these days? Same, same thing. Um, you know, and we've been open 10 years now, and we've been, somehow we made it through COVID, and, and that's a crazy long story that I'd love to share with you sometime, maybe today, but okay. um, but you, you find what works and what doesn't, and people will come in, and we have a suggestion box, and, and I always dig in there, first thing I come in and, and see what's there, because yeah. I want to know what people think. Yeah. I don't always get to talk to everybody. Sure. And yeah. even, even though we, we talk, they may not be comfortable with, with giving me an idea or suggestion. Right. So 
that, that suggestion box really helps. Um, and we've had several uh, hundred different beers over the years, mm -hmm. and some sold and some didn't. Right. And, and so we kind of know what people want. And being here at the lake, we're not on the water, mm -hmm. but people, people come down to the lake between spring break and Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll come down two or three weekends, you know, a month probably to their lake house yeah. and get out in a boat. And, you know, it's 100 degrees. This year it was 110. Yeah. And What was it? Yeah. And, uh, and people want something that they can have a few of mm -hmm. and be so refreshing and still be able to drive home. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, this past summer, we've got 15 beers on tap and 12 of them were 5% or less. Right. And which is a very, not a light beer, but a lighter style right. of beer. We had a lot of fruit. We did some shandies. Mm -hmm. we, we did some uh, uh, orange peel. We did all, uh, strawberry limeade kind of right. thing. Just something that, that is very drinkable, mm -hmm. very, very light, very refreshing. Were there any surprise winners from this year's batch? Yeah, the Shandy did really well. Uh, we have a, a beer called Miami Vice that it really does good. It's one of our Hefeweizens with orange. Um, that, that was uh, really great. Um, and then the Cherry Limeade Goza, which is a, a sour tart beer, um, really did well. Really did well. Um, and we've had others that we've run out of now. Now that summer I think is over, we're starting to phase out of those and mm -hmm. get into something. Uh, we've got five beers in the tanks now uh, that are winter, fall, winter okay. beers. You know, higher alcohol, darker color, more mm -hmm. robust. Um, something that you can, you know, sip on and enjoy some music or enjoy the, the fire pit or something right. like that. Well, we jumped ahead all the way into beers, yeah. so. So, we, yeah, so we've skipped ahead from Walgreens to the brewery, but in between there was a 14-year period uh, when I left Walgreens. Um, I was a teacher. I taught high school. I taught when? Uh, from 99 okay. till uh, 2013. So why did you leave Walgreens? So Walgreens, so I was an opening manager team and we would, like I said, we would, from start to finish, we would, we would find a location. Walgreens had their own construction company, and people come in and, and, and do the blueprints. They, they already had that all that in-house, and, and this crew would come and build a store, and then they go build another store and another store. So um, they had all that in sight. So once we found a site, they would come build it. Um, it was up to me and the team, uh, management team, to hire everyone. We would hire everyone from the cash front cashier to the pharmacist, and 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 then once you get them uh, hired, then you, you send them to a, a store that's already open to get trained. In the meantime, while they're getting trained, we're setting up all the shelves, we're stocking everything, unloading trucks, stocking everything, uh, making sure all the technology works, and and so we every 60 days we were doing that, and we would go to another store, and it was way past exhausting it was a two it was a two-year commitment at the end of two years I, I went to my boss and i said you know put me in a store no we've got another 20 stores to open i said i'm sure you do <laughs> i'm sure you do and i'd love to be part of that i said i'm not looking to leave um, i love your company i made, made a lot of money mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> but you know my kids are growing up without me 
yeah. I was working, you know, most of the time, six and a half days, oftentimes seven days a week, depends on what was going on, if we're getting ready to open or holidays, you never had a day off during holidays, right? <clears throat> and so I would, I, I drove home from a long, long day at, at work and right across the street from me, my neighbors were out in the street, husband and wife playing with their two daughters. And I'd seen it a bunch of times. And I, I get home, I pull in the driveway, and I, I go, and my kids are already in bed. And, and uh, I, I walk back outside, and I, I said, we've lived across the street from each other for a couple of years now, and I, I, we've met, and I, but I really don't know you. Uh, you know, I'm not home, and you are. And, and uh, so we, we sat down and talked, and they were both school teachers. And they were, um, you know, they had nights off, they had weekends off, they had holidays off, they had summers off. Not to think that it's, it's an easy job or anything, um, but they had time to raise a family mm -hmm. and go on vacations and do things. And so um, I said, well, how do, how do you become a teacher? And so one of them was a, uh, an administrator, and so she knew, um, you know, a lot of people were coming in and what it, what it took, you know, when, to be a teacher and things. And so the University of North Texas had a, a teacher program and they had a, um, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but you could go there um, and you give them your, your, um, all your paperwork from your colleges mm -hmm. and stuff and they would see what you've taken already and what you need to take to be a t Texas teacher at any district, any, anywhere in Texas. And I only had to take, I think it was five classes. And one of the classes I had to take was Texas government. Because I didn't get a degree in Texas, I never yeah. took Texas government. So that, that was interesting. But the other four classes were basically uh, classroom management. Okay. Um, you know, how to, how to handle, how to, how to do, um, you know, make a, make a syllabus and, and make a lesson plan and, and, and teach that to kids and, mm -hmm. and, and come up with, you know, um, if you needed to call a parent or if you needed to, you know, discipline a kid. I mean, just right. stuff yeah, that just I've never, that. I've never done before. Right. You know, all, all my uh, experiences were with adults, you know, and, and managing, mm -hmm. managing adults mostly. So I was trying to take those at, um, at night, you know, without quitting a job or whatever. Right. And so the first class I, I had and the very first day was um, get up and, and tell us something about yourself. And so I get up there, it was a speech class. Um, oh, yes, right, because one of the classes was, you know, getting up in front and talking to people, mm -hmm. you know, because you got to do that every day as a teacher, right? So, and some people it's easy, some people it's very difficult. To me, I was in sales and I, I did it all the time. And, and, you know, we would have group sessions where I had, you know, 60 employees and I, we were always talking in, in front of people. So, um, Jim, get up there and talk. So I get up there and it's just like second nature, I mean, some people were tripped up like what do I say and what do I do and yeah. how long's it got to be and mm -hmm. all that stupid stuff and and I get up there and I just start talking and and everybody's there for the same reason they're all to get their teacher certificate to teach and so the uh, the professor you know before I even sat down he goes Jim where are you teaching I said I'm not teaching I'm, I need to finish this up so I can apply for some jobs he goes no in the state of Texas you have two years to finish to finish this and so you could be teaching do this on the side and uh, and and fulfill your, your requirement 
I said, really? I don't know. I must have had a beer that right. time when they said that. I don't know. And, and, and he said, after class, come back to my office. Um, I'll make a few phone calls. And, and so I followed him back to his office. We, we shared a lot of good conversation. Um, this was in, at the University of North Texas in Denton. And, and uh, I lived in Louisville at the time, so it, was, it wasn't a bad commute. And he called the uh, um, career and technology director in Carrollton Farmers Branch and, and said, Who hey, was that? You heard that uh, name? Paul Beeler, the, the director? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul Beeler. And I can't remember the professor's name, but he said, I've got this guy here it has got some great experience. He, he only has a few classes to take. I think, I think you need to interview him. He said, do you have a position open? He goes, absolutely, we do. He said, one lady was on maternity leave. She had her baby, decided not to come back. I said, wow, that's cool. And so, um, yeah, so I had an interview with, with the principal uh, the very next day. And, and uh, he, super great guy. And he walked to the school with me. It was just, they were just getting ready to, um, let's see, this was in May. And so in September, they were starting construction on a remodel of the school. They were going to add, you know, a bunch of uh, different wings for, for um, classrooms. They were going to add to the band hall and improve the ag program and do all kinds of fun stuff. And, and so we walked to school, and, and he, he said, if, if I gave you the chance to um, do something with your program, what would it be? And I and I thought of, I thought a minute. And have and, you even taught a class? Yet? No. Okay. <laughs> and and because uh, I wasn't even hired yet. Right. We're just part of the interview. Yeah. The so he said, "What would what would you do?" And I said, "You know, most of my life um, as an adult working in in business, kids learn so much by working in a store. Mm -hmm. um, even a simple cashier, counting change, talking to customers, answering the phone." Um, writing up orders, Handling helping problems. with inventory, yeah, and even cleaning. Yeah, I said, give them some responsibility, and and uh, he goes, really, and he goes, well, we've got this room that I hadn't figured out what to do yet, and it was I don't know, twelve by twenty or something, and let me show it to you. So we went back there and it was just off the cafeteria, and and he goes, what would you do with this? And I thought a minute, and I said, this would be a perfect school store. I said, and it, could, it would be a great training ground for, for a marketing or a business program. Mm -hmm. Plus, it would be a fundraiser. I said, you could make money here. And of course, they're always right, about yeah. how to make money. And so, so uh, he thought about it a little bit, and, and we went back to his office, and, and uh, he said, let me give it some thought, and I'll get back in touch with you. And he called me the next day and offered me the job. And he, he needed somebody really bad, not that I was the only resort. I don't know wow. if he interviewed anybody else or not, I'm not sure. But this is May, and he goes, he goes, your first day is June something. And, you know, we, we need to come help you with your classroom. We're going to help you get, and we're going to, uh, I want to hear more about your school store ideas. And, uh, and so, I mean, I had no idea. In six weeks, I was going to start teaching school yeah. and getting my classroom right. And I didn't even know anything. <laughs> So it, it was amazing, and I stayed there 14. Well, you knew a lot about your subject yeah. matter, and that's yeah. really what, and, it and was, then it's, it's not, not out of a book, or just they, out of they a book. They had a book, and I 
I use it for for a guide, but but people want to hear the story that you have to to say. And and all my kids were seniors, and all of them uh, work co-op jobs. So they go to school half a day Mm -hmm. and work half a day. And so part of my my job was to go find help them find a job, part-time job. Some worked at McDonald's. Some worked. Your school kids. My school kids. Okay. My school kids. Right. My school kids. So. they were all seniors, and so some of them, you know, worked at a bank. Some of them worked at McDonald's. Some of them worked at at Kohl's department store. Um, so it, it was different things, and I would go help find jobs. And so that's what I did in the summertime was go secure uh, businesses that would hire a kid. And and so um, once school started, I had this list of places I'd interview each kid. You know, what are you looking for? Well, I want to work construction. So I I pull out my sheet and we yeah get them an interview and yeah. and so it was um, it was fun I I really enjoyed it and I you know when I took that job I said you know two or three years you know let me figure out what I want to do next yeah. teaching I not know I, I would have lost a million bucks if I would have bet that I would have stayed there that long yeah you know because it, it just was so different and and it takes a special patience to deal with with kids and especially seniors, because right. um, they already know everything, right. you know, and and they love to hear my stories and and hear my ideas, but um, until they've tried all their ideas first, they're not interested, you know. So what's this got to do with me? Yeah, right. So I did that for 14 years, and uh, started about two or three, fell two or three, did it 14. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, the last year was the most interesting. Um, so you ask about how I start brewing beer. So, um, you know, the whole idea of teaching was to, to... How old were your kids when you started, when you did, made this decision, I gotta do something else. Okay, so... Up without me... In, in, 90, in 99, my daughter was, let's see, thir- 13, okay. and my son was 10. Okay, that's about the age of both of my children. Yeah, and, and so... Um, yeah, so I'm here. Here I'm teaching, and then um, you know my, my daughter's involved. She's always like like animals, and so we always did anything with animals. She'd volunteer at Humane Society, and mm-hmm. and when she got in high school, um, as a freshman, she she uh, wanted to be in the ag program. What she couldn't drive yet, yeah. you know. Um, so she wanted a pig. So we got a pig, <laughs> and and so the the Louisville ag program is top notch. Because that's that's where she went to high school, Louisville High School, and and so at six o'clock every morning before school, we'd have to go, you know, feed the pig, water the pig, right. clean the pen, do all that stuff. This wasn't at your house, I no, think. no, they had, no. They had their was, own their yeah. own, uh, you know, school district area right. outside of town that that uh, we would go. Okay. It was still dark, yeah. you know, and here we are, you know, she's in her pajamas still, and I'm and I'm you know <laughs> I'm, I'm dressed and. And, uh, and so we would do all that, and then we'd come back, and, and she'd get ready for school, and, okay. you know, catch a bus or catch, you know, ride with a friend. Sometimes I took her, um, and so we, she did that for four years. Uh, the first year was a pig. Second year was two pigs. Third year was a pig and a cow. Oh, wow. And then the fourth Step year, up. yeah, fourth year was a cow. But I learned so much uh, because I volunteered everywhere. Um, because I was a teacher, I had holidays off and, and, and things off too. So when she was in FFA, 
she was going everywhere to show her pig, San Antonio, Houston, and I would go with. You know, I was a parent volunteer, and I would go with, and I, I'd be a chaperone, and and I learned so much. I'm so grateful for those years because um, even today, um, I have property outside of town, and we have six cows and I don't know, a dozen chickens. Oh, really? And so. Um, it's all because of, of what she taught me back then. Yeah, you all being together, involved. Didn't you? We did. We did. And it was, it was fun. We had fun. So your so, last year of teaching, you said, with your, yes. or your son. Yeah, so, let, so um, you know, my daughter's doing a lot of stuff in animals. My, my son's in, you know, baseball, basketball, tennis, and uh, scouts, Boy Scouts. Scouts were important to me. Mm-hmm. I want to at least make sure he was exposed to, to scouts. So, um, he, he went through Cub Scouts, and then when he got in Boy Scouts, I got more involved because um, back then it was it was only boys and Boy Scouts, and, and usually dads, not always, but usually dads were involved. And so um, I I got fully involved. I was assistant scoutmaster, uh, merit badge counselor. I went to all the summer camps. Um, it was it was amazing, and we we did stuff together, and uh, we, it was it was fun watching him grow up and learn all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, and wanting to learn. Yeah. It wasn't dad pushing him because uh, his scoutmaster, which turned out to be you know, my best friend, um, was totally it, it scout-led. It's, and that's the way right. Boy Scouts should be. And, and it's a, supposed to be. And a lot, of, a lot of troops don't do that. You know? And, and we, we made, if they earned a merit badge, they earned a merit badge. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're sitting around a, a campfire and a boy comes and asks us a question, we say, well, what did, what did the senior patrol leader say? Or who, what did your chain of command? Yeah, and they said, "Well, I didn't ask him yet." Well, you you go ask and let them handle things. So the only person we wanted in the adult area was the the adult yeah. uh, or the kid leaders. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they had a problem, we were there. Right. Um, back up. Yeah. But so not the first yeah, yeah. line of defense. Right. Yeah. So the scoutmaster Sam, he uh, smartest guy I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to get him out here for trivia and be on my team oh, on Thursdays because really? <laughs> it happened one time. Him and his son came and, and just knew everything. Oh, really? Did random knowledge stuff. I don't know how they remember this great stuff. great on Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he totally would. And anyway, so one of, the, one of his, uh, I could tell you a hundred different things he's involved in, but one of the things was, was home brewing. He was making his own beer. And I, I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, how, how do you do that? And so, so, you know, I went over to his house one Saturday afternoon, one of the few Saturdays that we didn't have something going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went through the process, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And he explained everything to science about it and, and uh, way more information than I needed to know at that time. <laughs> and, and then I, but the hardest part was, when's this going to be ready? He goes, ready. two weeks, three weeks. And uh, and so you know we go back and we taste it. Better than wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and then we do another one. And and we did this for three years. And finally, best advice he ever gave me was, Jim, you know how to do this. Go do it. Why do you got to come over here all the time and drink all my beer? <laughs> you, you you go make your own. And and so Keeping I. Taking you out of the nest. That's what it was. Yeah, fly birdie fly. Right. And, and so. Uh, we did, and he helped me. Uh, he didn't buy anything. He bought, you know, used stuff at a flea market or whatever, and then, and then retrofitted it to make it work. And so that's what this, that's what he did for me. We took an old turkey fryer and turned it in, you know, to a boil kettle, and and you know, just kind of made all the parts mm-hmm. 
went to the auto parts store and bought clamps and this and that yeah. and and uh, it still I still have it today. Really? I pass it down to my son. <laughs> so, uh, but it well, we made beer and so I I just did it for fun. Um, I made the styles of beer that I liked. If if my friends didn't like it, that's more for me. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't more, I don't I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And you know and and even today, um, the best recipe or the best of plans, um, you're always going to have a hiccup. And I always took good notes, mm -hmm. you know, because if I found something good, I wanted to do it again. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're off on your boil by a minute, you boil something an extra minute, or you, you've got an extra half ounce of, of something in there when you're home brewing, it's going to change everything. And so, and then you can imagine what, it, what the changes are in the brewery, mm -hmm. you know, on this scale. So um, it, it's so important to just follow the recipe because we've got, uh, I think, eight, eight beers that we do year-round, and so it's got to be the same yeah. every time. Yeah, you don't, I mean, even the, you know, the mass beers that I drink every now and then, you'll, wow, that is, that's not that good. That's not the beer that, I mean, most of the time, it's like, yeah. that's exactly what I was expecting. And it could, but it, it could be temperature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be temperature, you know. Um, beers made to you know stay cold but then you know because we take it from our chilled fermenters into our walk-in cooler into our tap room but everything is usually cold but if you think about it a distributor is going to pick up beer out of a, a, a big truck yep. and it's not refrigerated yeah. you watch all these beard stirs I just saw one go by his tail his whole back of his truck was open yeah. you know <laughs> so that beer left the brewery cold shipped to their their warehouse mm -hmm. warm sitting in a maybe it's an insulated you know um, 75 degree uh, warehouse but it's not in a cooler yeah and it goes into a truck and then who knows so yeah. it gets cold and hot and cold and hot so that definitely yeah, affects the flavor big difference yeah oh, we skipped ahead again we did it again uh, that's you told me fault. the last your last year of teaching was your most interesting yes so I found some property down here at Cedar Creek Lake I was only in my 40s but I'm thinking, okay, where do I want to retire someday? And so I looked at the lake and I said, you know, this is a really cool area. I, I wasn't really interested in a lake house mm -hmm. um, because of the animal. I want to have animals and I want to have some property. And, and I, I'm sure you can appreciate this. And I, I, love, I love my job. I love my business. I love talking to people. But you've got to have some quiet time. Oh, boy. You know, you've got to have some quiet time after 70 hours of working. You know, you want to go sit on your porch and see nothing, hear nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I was sitting on my back. I'd get up every morning and do some writing. And, uh, like, my back porch, the only thing I hear is my cat coming up and yeah. wanting to get in my lap. So right. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's so nice. You know, especially it, now that it's cooled off. It's like, God, yeah. put on a, every, yeah. every put morning, on a hood this morning. I was like, man, it's so nice. Every morning I get out and you know, like drink a cup of coffee or yeah. you know watch the cows or listen to the birds or, or whatever. And, that is. That uh, is and then at night, time. you know, where we live is you can see a million stars every yeah. night. You That's know, awesome. you can see the satellites going across the. Right. You know, and and uh, it's it's just perfect. It is. It's perfect. So um, that I was looking for something out in the country, and so uh, found something, you know, just rare uh, uh, raw land. And you know, but I wasn't planning on retiring, so um, so I just started building stuff around. And I didn't know anybody down here. 
you know, but you go to Brookshire's, you talk to people in line, yeah. talk to people on the aisle, you go to the bank, you know, and, um, you know, anywhere you go, you, you just start meeting people. Yeah. And so this was back in um, about 2010. I, I still homebrewed. And so I come out and I spend a weekend kind of almost camping out on a property, just, you know, uh, you know, building fence and cutting trees and, you know, just whatever at the time, just, you know, getting ready for that day someday yeah. when you need to retire. And, and, uh, and so I bring some homebrew down and then I, I met a, a few people down here and, and they said, wow, you homebrew, how, how do you do that? And I said, well, all right, so come over on Saturday and we're gonna, we're gonna cook out. And, it starts and, over. Yeah, so here we go. And, and so I'd, I'd hand them some, some homebrew and I always put, I didn't can or bottle any mm -hmm. of my beer. I, that was so labor intensive. Yes. I kegged everything. And so for, for them to see that I had a kegerator at home, that was the first thing. Wow, that's really right. cool. And then it's my own beer in the kegerator. Yeah. Wow, that yeah, is wow. Cooler. And so I'd hand them something and and it was way different color and fragrance than they're used to. Wow, beer with flavor, are you kidding? Wow, that's really good. And, and so it, it got to be almost a habit. People were calling me on Thursday, Jim, what, what are we cooking? Sure yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what are we cooking on, on um, what are we cooking on Saturday? What time you want me over there? And what, what beer do you have on tap? So all of, all of a sudden, you know, here, here goes all my beer. And I, I, I think back, back about Sam, you know, where I was drinking yeah. his beer. Now I got, everybody's drinking my beer. Yeah. But after about a year, someone said, you know, you really need to sell this stuff. I said, why, why, why would I want to sell it? said I you know I make five gallons at a time and they said I, I really think people would buy this and I said wow okay um, never never even thought about it you know never I had some crazy ideas in my life you know about opening a business someday but never a brewery and so I took some time to you know what how do I open a brewery in Texas laws are crazy yeah. Um, this is again in 2010, 2011. What licenses do I need? How much does that cost? You know, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm not a firefighter who makes a lot of money or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, what what do I need to do? And what equipment do I need? And and where can you do this? And so, oh, man, you just you talk about learning the hard way over and over and over again. I've learned so much opening a brewery. I, I could, I should write a book. Yeah, you should. Um, so I said, okay, I, I, I'm going to do this. I said, you know, and I can brew beer. Um, I'm more of a marketing guy. I'm, I'm not a, a science chemistry guy that wants to brew beer and that's all I want to do. Um, I need to, I need to find somebody that can brew beer. I'll go sell it. And a lot of breweries, it's the same guy, especially when you, when mm -hmm. you start up, there's a brewery, there's a salesperson, um, they do it all. But it was a lot of decisions and how do you make money? It's all about money, right? Yeah. Gotta, gotta pay bills. Yeah. I, I thought I had it all figured out. I, I found someone to help me brew. Um, he was part of the North Texas Home Brew Club. That so I went to one of their monthly meetings and because Sam was a, a member and I wasn't because I was more focused on building a place down here. Mm -hmm. But he's, he went to the monthly meetings. He goes, you should go to one of those meetings. You're looking for a brewer. Because I tried to get Sam to be my brewer. Right. And he was, he was my he age. He knew what Yeah, he was it. my age. He goes, <laughs> I, I've been an engineer for so long. And, 
and uh, I, I can't leave. I, this is, I said, I get it, I get it. But he said, go to the, go to the uh, uh, next monthly meeting for the North Texas Homebrew Club, and just, just tell your story. What are, what are you, what are you looking for? And there might be somebody there that that's looking to make a career change. And so, uh, I was on their agenda, and they they pulled me up in front, and, and I just said, hey, you know, I'm. I started a company called Cedar Creek Brewery, and we're going to be down at the Cedar Creek Lake area. Don't know exactly where yet, um, and we're going to obviously start small and you know on a limited budget. But who wants to be on the ground floor opening a brewery? And there was nobody. There was there, there was nobody. Crickets. <laughs> yeah, crickets. But um, it it was a cool experience. You get up there. A week later, a guy calls me and said, you know, I heard heard you at the meeting. I had to talk it over with my wife. I said, "Smart, yes. smart thing. Don't smart, don't yeah. quit your job the next day and say, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so we met and uh, um, we we hit it off. And he his passion was brewing beer, and my passion was was selling the beer. Mm -hmm. And he had won several home brew competitions really? over the years, and so he was uh, you know 15 years younger than me. 18 years younger than me, so he, uh, that's what he wanted to do. And he was in his, uh, a point in his life where he was kind of in between careers too, and so he was looking for something different. Right. So so uh, together we kind of figured out what licenses do we need, where can we do this, and so um, we, we thought we had it figured out. And so we were gonna open our first brewery in Kemp, uh, right off of 175 in a business park there. 2012. 2012, I think. 2012. It says on your, uh, yeah, so we were we were trying. No, it's yeah, early 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 2012, and uh, like January February, we thought we had the license. We got all the permits. We got all of our equipment. It looked like our business was going to open. Um, I went to my principal, and I said, you know, um, I'm making a career change. Thank you for for the last 14 years, yeah. um, but I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to move on. It was 13 years at that time. Thank you for the 13 years. Um, I'm going to move on this way. I'm, I'm going to do. And she said, uh, no. <laughs> she said, no. I, my, my job was really specialized. I was the only marketing teacher in the school. And, and they, they, they're just hard That's, to find. That was, uh, yeah, there was a at other campuses. At other campuses, there's one marketing person per campus mostly. Okay. And it's, it's way different than a business teacher. Yeah. You gotta have a marketing degree. Um, if, if it's a business teacher, they gotta go back and take more classes for marketing. It, it, it's kind of complicated, and I, and I understood. I said, but you didn't even try. She goes, no, I, I've got to have you. I, I needed more notice. This was a, uh, January. I think it was January, and and I said, you know, you got six months, seven months. No, we, you need to ride this out with me one more year. And I, I could have took other avenues and, yeah. and fought it, but I, I said, no, you know, they've been good to me. Yeah. And so, so the first year that we opened the brewery, I was also teaching. And so at six o'clock in the morning, and, and high school started at seven fifteen back mm -hmm. then, so. Um, at, at five o'clock in the morning, I was heading to um, Farmer, uh, Carrollton Farmers Branch, to to teach. Um, 
And Usually, where are you living then? Were you still? In I was. I was down here. You were here. I was okay, down full here, time full time down here. Yep. So, you know, I'd get in the car and I go, you know, be in the classroom at six forty-five. Class started at seven fifteen. School was over at three fifteen. You know, and there's always tutorials after or whatever. So at four o'clock, I would get in the car and hit all the oh, traffic through downtown. Yeah. Get home about six o'clock and get here and we'd start brewing not here in this building but to get to the brewery and we start brewing beer or i, I i'd be cleaning kegs or i would be making sales calls you know until nine o'clock and then i'd be home and we did that i did that for a year and uh, finally and 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 i didn't get paid the first year i didn't get paid at the brewery at all i didn't didn't need the income mm -hmm. i had had my dollar 95 an hour teacher's job so it, you know, I, I had plenty, yeah. you know, so, um, and it was nice because I could do some of these things, you know, at the brewery and, yeah. and didn't have to worry about payroll. So was this in, this was going on, the brewery actually, actually opens up in Seven Point or in uh, Kemp? No, so uh, it was uh, February, March of 2012, and we oh, had, you had your we, we had everything submitted, paid all the fees, all the equipment was set up, all the bill, you know, rent was, we, were, we were paying rent, everything was ready to turn on the switch to start heating water, and, and that's all we were waiting on. We were just waiting on our TABC permit. We had our federal permit, didn't have our TABC permit for Texas, and we're waiting, and they said normally it takes six weeks, it was three months. And I called, and they said it was still in progress, still in progress, still in progress. Waiting. Yeah. Waiting. So um, we felt it was going to be any any time. So we had an open house, and we we had friends and family came in, and um, you know we had hors d'oeuvres and we had samples of beer, and and uh, several potential customers were there. Brookshire store manager, um, Scotty's Exxon, um, uh, Harvey's. Exxon, all, all these potential convenience store, restaurant, bars, liquor. I mean, they, they came and, and, you know, checked us out. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought it was, a, it was really a good program. We were in the middle of it. Maybe it started 30 minutes. And I get this phone call, and I look at my phone, and it's TABC. And you're and so what are you thinking <coughs> then when you see the phone call? You're well, thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm we thinking, got it. Got I'm thinking we got it. it. I, I'm just going to tell them, hey, you know, we're having a big party now already, and, and we're, we're ready. And so I step outside and, and take it privately, and they said, there's a problem with your application. And I'm thinking, oh, I was so upset. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, what I, because I, I went through all the hoops. Mm -hmm. I went, I've done everything they say. I've paid all the freaking fees. And uh, they said, well, there's a process that you have to go through and you start with the city and then you go to the county and then it goes to the state and you have to get signatures. Um, is this approved in your area? Yes or no? If it's no, then you can't, you know, you can't proceed. If it's yes, you sign, date it, notarize it, and then you go to the next step. So I went to the city, love to have you, went to the county, wow, that's really cool. And so I had everything I needed and I sent it to, to TABC. And, and they, they said, your county made a mistake. And I said, I said what, how? I mean, I, I got it signed by the right person. It, you, you go to this county clerk, it gets approved by the judge. Mm -hmm. 
and, and then you, you send it on. And he said, well, they made a mistake. The location that you're at is in a wet precinct of a dry county. No, I'm sorry, a dry precinct of a wet county. Dry precinct of a wet county. And I, I didn't even know how to answer that. I, I said, what does that even mean? You know, and she said that nobody, there's four precincts in, in Kaufman County, that was Kaufman County. There's four precincts in Kaufman County and no one had ever petitioned that precinct to go wet. I so was, they didn't I have was an election, in, uh, they more did, or less? Yeah, they had to have an election. Oh, okay. The people had to vote to, to make it wet. And I, I was across the line by 700 feet. And I said, what, um, what do I do? They said, go talk to the county judge. And so I went there the next morning and uh, I sat, sat in front of the judge and he goes, yeah, TABC called me and we made a mistake. I said, well, I'm gonna sue your ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Right. Um, and yeah, me, I, said, I said, I said, what, what do I do? I said, I'm just, you know, I've spent all this money We've been waiting, waiting, waiting. He, and he apologized like crazy. He goes, my clerk made a mistake. She didn't do her homework. She didn't look on the map. She, she thought she looked at the map, knew where you were, but she was, she was not correct. And so we signed off on it thinking you were, you were fine. And I said, what are my options? And he said, he said, you could petition it on the next election to uh, get everybody to vote on it, for it to go wet. We'd approve it right away. And uh, I said, well, when's the next election? He said, in nine months. And I said, what are my other choices? He goes, you have one other choice. He goes, move. I said, move. I said, everything is, is built, it's, it's there. I've, I've rented, you know, a place. And, uh, you know, we, we keep using more and more money to, to survive. Now I gotta move. And uh, he goes, that's, that's all you can do. So I went, went from there and I went and talked to my landlord and I said, hey, I, I've, I signed a year lease. Um, this is the, the deal. He goes, I, I get it, no problem. Just uh, He let me out of my lease. So that was one, yeah. one, one good thing that yeah. happened. And then, uh, so like, where do I go? All right, where can I go? And so I called up the realtor who had helped me find that place. And I, I said, I, this is what's going on. I, I, don't, know where, I don't know where to go. So um, we looked at a bunch of different places and stuff and, and we ended up uh, coming to seven points. So we crossed into Henderson County. And so she showed me some places. I called TABC. I said, <laughs> tell me where I can't be in Henderson County. And they said, well, go talk to the city, the county, and you know, Start, make sure, yeah. make sure, you know, you did it right the first time they made a mistake right. so what you did was right so go do it again in Henderson County and and make sure those places are right so the realtor showed me a place two doors down from where we are today um, here in Seven Points and it wasn't even on the market and it was a couple that's getting ready to retire they had a business there and they she had just heard through the grapevine mm -hmm. that they were gonna uh, they don't want to sell it they wanted to lease it out I said perfect I didn't want to buy it either so let's lease it. So went there and it was, you know, we can make it work. We can make it work. So um, I said, I need it in 30 days. And say they, it was so full of junk and stuff. They had, they had 30 days to get rid of it and they did. Yeah. And so I, um, so I said, okay, before I sign a lease, I'm gonna go to the city, 
which is right down the street. We could talk to them. And so the realtor said, well, I happen to know the mayor. I said, yeah, and, and I said, how is that? She goes, he's my husband. <laughs> and he had just got elected a few months earlier. All right. And he said one of the things that, that he, one of the platforms he ran on was I'm bringing business to Seven Points. And so, you know, I was the first business he was bringing to Seven Points. Yeah. And he goes, um, absolutely, Here, here's a signature. He signed it, notarized it. I headed to, headed to Athens and, and uh, talked to someone. They said, well, you, you don't really need our signature because you're in the city limits of seven points. Unlike when I was in camp, I was not in the city okay. limits by 700 feet. Man, yeah. lots of. <laughs> yeah, like there's no signs out there. Like where's, yeah, where's like, the, yeah. So I'm gonna sign it anyway, yeah. you know, so there's no delay. More signatures, yeah, less. Just, yeah, and so I signed it. Uh, I called TABC, said, hey, it's coming. And they they really felt bad. And so they, they fast-tracked me and I, I had my, my permit that week awesome. and so I signed the lease over here and uh, we started moving so I, I just called in a lot of favors and yeah. said who who's got a 16 yeah. foot trailer Remember all those Saturdays yeah. we had beer and burgers yeah. and yeah. <laughs> right so I had a, a couple forklifts over there I had a sky track over there we had a bunch of 16 foot trailers because we were picking stuff up with, with a tractor and setting it down and strapping it down and and unload over here. So I think it was six weeks or so before we finally got things set up again and just burning through money like crazy, you know? Right. Yeah. There's no, it's all like, it's all, it's all debits, no yeah, credits. Right. It's like it's out, 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 no yeah, ends. No ends, yeah. no ends. And so um, we we uh, we finally got set up over here, started brewing beer in uh, July of 2012. So crazy. Yeah, crazy. July of 2012. Yeah building was two doors down. two doors down okay. yeah so I never went to that building so I guess I didn't hear about y'all till later because um, every time I've been it's been in the current spot tell us about this place and how the move happened there because I've that's not just packing a few boxes and no. moving stuff. no we uh, we were there about three years and beer sales were really really good we had uh, three distributors at the time in Texas and and people really really loved our beer and so we our, our idea was to expand one thing i learned over at the other place was we we would cook hamburgers and hot dogs on a grill outside mm -hmm. just for, for people to have some kind of food yeah. to drink because um, people would have one or two of our beers and they go across the street to the Mexican restaurant right. for lunch or dinner, yeah. and that pissed me off so bad. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I know, I, and I said, you know, and and I, I got it. Yeah. You know, I, I totally understood you know, their but, position. Yeah. Our, our beer is slightly stronger than, you know, most beers, mm -hmm. most thirty packs. Yeah. You know, um, but it's full of flavor, and people want another one, and then they, they, you know. I get it, and you, you got you got to be able to drive, and you got to be safe, and sure. you know, and so I, I totally get it, and so I always said, you know, if we ever move, we're gonna have a restaurant, and I didn't know anything about the restaurant business, <laughs> I didn't know anything about the beer business, you know, but right, you, yeah. you just didn't figured out this place uh, was empty for years and years and years, and it had some great history here, mm -hmm. um, and and so I met the the same real estate person. I called her up and said, "Hey, you know, show me this place." And so um, we kind of had a bunch of construction people come in here. What's it going to cost to move and and remodel? And 
it was, uh, you know, you just kind of get a bank loan and figure it out. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, to the money guys. Yeah. And then at that time we were getting ready to, we had a lot of interest in going out of state, uh, selling beer out of state. Um, the first one, I, I never forget, I was sitting at home and that was back when I answered all phone calls. Right. There, there didn't show up as spam on your phone. You know? <laughs> and, and so this guy, it was 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And this guy is uh, talking to me. He goes, man, I'm, I'm, I really love your beer. And, and I'm, you know, like, tell me more about your brewery. I said, well, come on up to the brewery and we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about it. I'd love to show you around and, you know, share a beer together. He goes, well, I'm drinking one of your Dankasauruses right now. And I'm looking, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, that's almost a 7% beer. And right. so then I'm, I'm starting to think, okay, I got a crackpot on the phone. And, and uh, he goes, no, he goes, I, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and I'm a beer distributor. I'm a manager for a beer distributor. My, my brother came over. He lives in Dallas. And he came over for a wedding, brought some of your beer. We're having one now. He goes, I, I had to call you. And I said, man, that's really cool. I said, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I said, I don't know how to sell my beer in, in Georgia. He goes, you know, in, in Georgia, it's, it, it's pretty easy. Not a lot of paperwork, not a lot of fees. He, um, and he gave me a phone number to call. And I, Monday morning, I called. I had my license in like two days. And by that Friday, they had a truck here picking up beer. Wow. It was it was insane. See, they, how easy can it be when, yeah. I mean, it can either be hard it's easy, or easy. I mean, it, right. it's it just, however the kind of powers that be want to make it, it yeah. seems like. It's yeah. Um, we were lucky because we had beer mm -hmm. to, to sell. And then, so then I'm thinking, okay, well, if I can do that in Georgia, there's a lot of states between here and Georgia, right? Yeah. right? So um, I started figuring out how, how to sell in you know, Mississippi and Louisiana and, and Alabama and um, Arkansas, Tennessee, that whole that whole area. And so um, by the end of that year, we had licenses and distributor contracts in all those states. So wow. we, we were selling beer in five other states. And and so during that process, how, how are we gonna make enough beer? Right. And so we, we started trading up on bigger tanks. Uh, we had a small canning line. We traded up to a bigger canning line. Uh, we went from one brewer and, and a, and a part-timer to, you know, three or four people working out there. And it, w it was crazy. I mean, just a few years prior, uh, I was working out of a homebrew system, yeah. and now we've got <laughs> seven 30-barrel fermenters right. and a canning line. And, and um, But you also learn that, that you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys in, in sales, and sure. and at the time, we were selling beer to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, or Georgia. Um, they were going through the same laws that Texas had when we first opened this brewery. You know, there weren't a lot of craft breweries. It was hard. To, it was easier to bring beer into the state than to make okay, beer and sell it in the state. Okay. And so, we uh, we were lucky for about two years. They were selling more beer in Atlanta, Georgia, than we were selling in all of Texas. Wow. It was, it was insane. So that would tell me two things, right? One is they really like our beer in Georgia, yeah. or our beer distributors in Texas are terrible. 
okay? And that's all I'll say about that. Um, but that, we rode that, that way for about two years, and then the, the laws started changing in uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, yeah, there's Arkansas. that much demand. There's, there, it's yeah, going to get filled. Uh, yeah, and so I, I, think, I think those states tried, well, they really tried to figure out, you know, how can we get breweries, and, mm -hmm. and then they, they, uh, they figured it out. So our, our cool Texas IPA, after about two years, wasn't cool anymore. Uh -huh. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we pulled back, and, and uh, so we only, today, we only sell our beer in Texas. Okay. Um, Bottom line is probably better now than it was when we were selling beer in five states. Really, um, even though sales were great, margins were so small, yeah. and you know payroll was crazy, and and uh, the manufacturer doesn't always get make the most money out of what they make, um, especially in a beer business. Yeah, um, the distributor's going to make whatever they want, right. and they're going to retail it for whatever they want, and. In Texas, they don't even have to sell our beer. They own the rights to our brand for life. And Who, I, who's they? Um, Full Clip is our our main distributor in Texas now. Okay. And they own the rights to our our brands, and they they can sell a thousand kegs a month of our beer, or they can sell zero. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that's just the way it is in Texas. Really. It's big beer business. So, um, you know, we, we want to work with every beer distributor. It's a relationship, right? And, uh, you know, we, we hope we can sell beer in Texas. Um, wow, but so that's, why we, that's why we spend so much time, energy, and money on our location in Seven Points. With the beer garden, with the restaurant, um, I think probably 90% of our sales, beer sales come from here. Maybe even more, right. and uh, um, well, if anything, from what pandemic stuff and all the supply chain deal, it, it seems like it would always make business sense. But I think it was highlighted then about not relying on one income stream, right? Or, or you know that you can't have any control over. Yeah. So yeah, that COVID years were you learned a lot, you know. So what you can get away with, what you can't, and what's important, what's not. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I am not, I never wanted government handouts. I, right. I, I never wanted any of that, never even thought about it. But I had 18 employees, you know, when, when COVID hit, and um, we could have easily just closed. Yeah. You know, just, this is crazy, I can't do this. Yeah. And, and um, we applied for some of the government grants and we got them. And it kept us, we went from 18 employees to one. Wow. Um, even with the even, even the Yeah, because we, we couldn't open our dining rooms up. Yeah. We couldn't, um, no one was coming out. For nine weeks, nine weeks, we uh, depended on the phone to ring. And we took six packs of beer and pizzas out to curbside. And... Um, you know, some days we would we'd make fifty dollars, yeah. and uh, some days we'd make a hundred. Uh, one day we we hit a thousand bucks, and man, we we were partying. And I and I felt so bad. I stayed in in, in touch with the employees, yeah. you know, and they were the first to get their jobs back to them, yeah. you know, when when we could. You know, it's still hard to find employees, though. Sure. You know, a lot of them moved on. Yeah. 
yeah, you want to keep some good ones, the good ones, as long as you can. Yeah, for sure. Where are we going from here? What's happening next with Cedar Creek Brewery? We've got a couple ideas that I'm not ready to share with anyone yet. Um, You've got a place in Farms Branch, so that was a we a did big, big deal. We so. did, yeah, we did. We closed that one last June. That ran that ran about a year. Okay. And uh, you know we tried to open at the end of COVID. If we're at the end of COVID, right. I think we are. Yeah, we tried to open is there in, in June of 20. That was a, a two or three year project and, and we had the money and, and then there were delays with COVID. And then when we were able to do the build out, prices were 40% higher right. on materials and, yeah. and you couldn't get an electrician to get in there for six weeks. And I mean, it was just such a mess. And, and, and employees were it was tough and then food costs were higher and so our our projections were so understated you know by the time we, we were able to get that thing going we were we were just spending money like crazy yeah. and people were still reluctant to come out we had we had, had a lot of outdoor seating um, but it was it was really tough did you see a different attitude about that reopening from that area, the Metroplex area versus down here? Was it about the same as far as people being willing to come out or ready to? It, it's a way out? different market up there. Um, a lot of, mostly younger. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it's it way different. Mm -hmm. um, it's it just hard, hard to explain what, what we were trying to do to to survive and, and we finally just yeah. talked to the landlord and said we just can't yeah. you know and another uh, experiment another experiment with a lot of zeros behind it yeah so. and so um, we're not going to go in that direction <laughs> um, it, you know if we would open four years ago when when we thought of the idea mm -hmm. um, not sure we would have survived COVID but we would have been in a much better position. Yeah. Um, I, I think this this model is is working way better for us. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we. I always say if we if we took this building and this property and put it in Dallas, it would be a gold mine. Really. Um, because of the how much property we have, and mm -hmm. you know we're we're dog friendly and kid friendly, and mm -hmm. you can come out here and just run and run and run and run right. and. and there aren't too many breweries in DFW that, that have that luxury, yeah. you know, because of, of rent. It's so expensive. Um, we, were, we were really lucky we bought this building property about six months ago. Okay. And it's put us in a better position going forward. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and one thing about COVID, too, is more people are working from home, and a lot of people are making their lake house their home. They are. And You're so... Right. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot more people down here, and so I think we've got a good model here. Yeah. Don't know if we need to do anything different somewhere else. Just keep making the beer. Right. Keep making the beer. So um, I think you should write your book. <laughs> I know. I should you retire said, and do that. You don't have to retire. Just, <laughs> yeah. There sure. are so many sure ways. To, there are so many, and I'm one to say, but because uh, I've thought about it before, but there are so many ways to write a book, like. You know, I was, I was on the fire department, so you know, sitting around the dinner table or breakfast or whatever. You know, that was usually the kind of sat around in one big area. So, 
station I was at the last 15 years, I mean, there was at least 12 of us, sometimes 15 of us, you know, sitting around the table mm -hmm. and, you know, somebody's always got a story. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you, yeah. You know, and then when you get somebody telling a good one, you know, then everybody's right. just sitting there listening and yeah. Yeah. that draws them in. So good stories. Yeah. When I, when I did, uh, we don't do so many brewery tours anymore. I don't think that's a, a thing like it used to be. Right. You know, we've got the big windows that look out in the brewery that I call our fishbowl. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you kind of it's, see what's going on. It in is there. cool to see all the stuff. I mean, that's where it's happening right there, right? Right, right. Every brewer, every beer that you drink, see, or buy comes out of right there. That's right. Yep. We brew all of our beer right there. But someone's asked me about a brewery tour. Well, how long do they last? I said, how long do you want it to last? Um, I can I can show you you know in five minutes, and then, or, or I can I could start you know but everything I point at reminds me of a story, and then I'll get off on something and then. Um, so like a brewery tour, like they bring a group to here and you give them a tour of this brewery. Yeah, you know. Okay. And I was if, thinking like a wine tour where they take you like to one winery, oh, and then another winery, we, and we, then a third winery, and then when you. We do Nobody's that. spending any money yeah. at the third winery. Everybody is right. like you're on a bus. And we like, do that too. We do a brew bus twice a year. Okay. And we got another one coming up uh, end of this month, October 29th. Okay. And that one's always a Halloween okay. one. And so everybody dresses up. And I've already got pre-scheduled. I already talked to the other breweries and say, hey, we're going to come there at this time with 50 people. And we're going to stay an hour. Uh -huh. And so be ready, please. Be ready. And, please be ready. you know, have staff, yeah. right? And so, and then we... We get on a bus, go to the next one, and, and then we meet back here and do a costume contest, Halloween party. Okay. And so we do that uh, every year. Well, you have a lot of stuff going on. Is this part of the marketing deal? You just your ideas that you've learned over the years? Yep. Uh, you've got the, we were out here the other night for the um, bingo. What was it called? It was music bingo. Music bingo. And we were like, we had, we could not figure out how that was going to work. And yeah. So yep. we came over with. Roger Panita and uh, Stephen Karen and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, That's, we had <laughs> yeah, a bunch of bingo cards. <laughs> right. Next time, bring your little dabber. Right. Right? <laughs> bunch of bingo cards. Yeah. Out there. yeah, you know we're we're not open on Mondays. We we've got to give people oh, a yeah. day off. Sure. Um, we're open Tuesday night for dinner, do music bingo. Uh, Wednesday night we do karaoke. Thursday night trivia. Friday and Saturday nights we do live music. With and TD here, that's yep. We, yep. a lot of the times that we come out here, it's your, yep. your TD play. Yeah, and then uh, Sunday we do a brunch. So we've got something going on all the time, something almost every night of the week. If you wanna wanna come out and do something, there's not a lot of stuff to do during the week no, here. You're correct. You know, so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, How is the karaoke going? Karaoke? I've been known to sing a karaoke song. Really? Every now and then. The more beer you drink, the better you sound, right? <laughs> I, no, my wife will tell you it gets terrible. Oh. And she said, yeah, you, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, uh, uh, we get a lot of people for karaoke. Yeah, do you? And That's usually great. an older crowd, too, which mm -hmm. is. It is. Yeah. Most of the ones that I've gone to are the same, especially on a Wednesday night. Right, Wednesday, yeah. yeah. Right. But, and then, you know, there's, we had Oktoberfest two weekends ago. Uh, this Saturday we have our fall festival. We've got 40 vendors scheduled to come. All right here. Yeah, all out out back. Okay. Where we got an extra acre of property back there, and so we we put them in rows out there, and 
live music. You know, we're cooking outside for the fall festival of corn dogs, yeah. sausage on a stick. Sounds terrific. All kind of fun festival food. Sounds terrific. Yeah. So I've got to ask you about, I don't know the name of it, but I'm sure you're old, and I'm hoping it's a beer that is on your rotation. Okay. But, I don't know, three or four months ago, maybe, you had a beer, and it was up, up on where the, the mimosa source is okay. right now, and... It was high alcohol. It was like twelve or fourteen percent. Right, like right. And I, it was very dark, but it was. And I told several friends this maybe the best beer I've ever had. Wow. And you showed it in the the short uh, the short pour, and I just can't remember what was it was like a maybe a double barrel. We, we did box. we did a barrel aged barley wine. Um, and we have not, regular barley wine. It did not have a wine in it. No, it won't. Okay. It won't, okay. That's a, that's a style of beer. Okay. Um, but it didn't have it in the name. It okay. could have been a cherry quad. Um, we did a smoked version of that. Too. Yes. Okay. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So that we smoke. We've got several pallets of specialty beers yeah. that uh, we'll bring back this this winter. Okay, I got and, to. And then and I got, need to. You got an email list because I want to yep. be on. Yes, we do have an email list. <laughs> when that. Uh, when that comes out. Yep. And then we've got, I think, three or four winter beers in our tanks now that'll okay. be ready for the winter. So we've got, th those are the high alcohol right. sipping beers yes. that, that we'll have this winter. So, um, right, yeah, we had that one. I think we had it left over from our anniversary. It may anniversary. have been right at the end of the, the season for that, yeah. that you had it. Cause that, that yeah, was that, that, that was pretty special. We talked about your hours, when you're open, what you've got going on. The website main place to send people to find out more. And kind of your schedule of events, or is it a, social a page of some sort? Social media. Okay. Yeah. Where Fa should everybody find you? Fa Facebook is easy to find us. Um, we, we keep that up to date daily. Send out different things, different menus, different uh, uh, event pages, okay. things like that. Website has most of the information on there that's mostly up to date. Um, we've got to all do better keeping that. Any last-minute deals? That's yeah. going to be but Facebook. La be the place yeah, last-minute or events, yeah. and things. Social media is, is is where to find it. Uh, we do have a newsletter that we can get you signed up for um, on our website. If you're not signed up on our newsletter, you can join that on our website uh, or or here while you're while you're doing it. You know something uh, that you've probably never heard of that we do here now is have you ever heard of uh, belt sander races? I had not heard about it until the other night we were doing uh, bingo and uh, your partner was talking to us about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know Belt it was a sander thing. races. Yep. So we, we've had it two months now. Mm -hmm. Someone said, you know, we've got the property, we've got the, and of course they were drinking and having a few Everything's beers a good idea. There, right? <laughs> and, and so uh, one of the uh, uh, business owners that was with him, he owns a roofing company here, uh, Jordan Roofing, David says, well, I'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the whole up there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he bought, he bought the materials. Another guy uh, owns a construction company. He built it. And we've got several businesses that, that uh, are sponsors, and they help maintain it. Okay. And so... I didn't actually a, look at it. It was actually dark the other night, so I didn't... So is, it, is the track always set up? The track's up? always there. It's, okay. it's, it's a permanent track. And uh, it, it's a thing, you know, the second, fourth Saturday of every month, we, we race. We've got a couple 
uh, house belt sanders that you can you can borrow or but we've had several people make their own and they come so. and, and race them and and we get competition of any people back there just watching and, 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 and drinking beer <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine at some point um, if, if it takes off like we think we'll have to get some grandstands back there and people can right, sit yeah. there and you know do the wave and stuff that's that is really <laughs> well, that is definitely well, something well, special to come to Cedar Creek Brewery and yep. see and Jim Elliott man I'm sure there's something that we missed but well this will just be our first segment we'll do another one there's always part two <laughs> right always, always. A part two thank you so much thank you yes sir it's great talking to you good talking to you